Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome in to another edition episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. Everybody had a good weekend. A bit chilly here and there. A lot of things going around, obviously with the NFL playoffs, the NBA. Uh, we're seeing some more games. I'll get into that a little bit later this week, possibly other stories starting to circle later around about what will happen with, you know, some coaches, college football, playoff national championship game is tonight. So looking forward to another good week of content and episodes, you know, and, you know, it's going to be fun. Hopefully things hopefully will continue to come up um, and we'll keep the good message and positive energy going forward. So that being said, I want to recap NFL Super Wildcard Weekend. Had six games this past weekend. Truly some interesting games, some really good games, some surprising outcomes, ones that I did not see coming. I'll admit that, you know, here and now. Um, but it was really a good weekend of football. I learned a lot about teams, um, you know, some of these players. And it's all about, you know, execution and playing your best football. And we saw a couple of teams do that in a really surprising and dominant fashion which I'll get into a little bit later. But what I want to talk about first is the game that took place Saturday afternoon to kick off the NFL Super Wildcard Weekend, and that was the Buffalo Bills defeating the Indianapolis Colts 27-24. This was a really interesting game, I would say, in the first half. Uh, a lot of things were riding up for both teams, doing you know, a lot of things well. The Bills get their first playoff win in 25 years. Uh, both quarterbacks played really well in this game. You know, both Rivers and Josh Allen had two touchdowns. I think the difference was that, you know, the Colts um, and Rivers weren't able to execute in a couple of plays, a couple of possessions in the second half of this game, which allowed the Bills to get a more of a lead and just kind of hang on at the end, to be honest. Um, the Colts played a great first half of this game, in my opinion. They really brought the uh, energy on both sides of the ball. You saw Rivers make some really good throws. Michael Pittman Jr. Um, had some nice, uh, some nice plays in this game. Um, you know, he overall just had it going. And... Um, he was able to really make some good catches on a couple of drives. Although I had mentioned that you know the Colts really need to score points, uh, not have for field goals, but you know they weren't able to make some key play- plays. To be honest, in this game, and Buffalo was able to just kind of make the most of their possessions. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor had a very nice game. He finished with 78 yards and a touchdown in this game. To me, the turning point in this game was the missed field goal. Uh, There's two turning points in this game. One, the missed field goal by the Colts when they were, you know, trailing 17 to 10 in the third quarter. Uh, You know, it was a long play drive and uh, I think in that, or I could be wrong, but I think in that possession itself, you know, the Colts were trailing 17 to 10. 
and I think they um, ended up just kind of you know missing that kick. They had a long play drive. They had a long play drive um, in the second half. They're up seventeen to ten. You know, it was fourteen plays, sixty yards over seven minutes. They just could not convert that opportunity in the kicking game. And then earlier, the nuts turning point in this game, I believe, was when the Colts were up ten to seven on the Buffalo Bills, and you know they were driving down the field, and you know Frank Reich and the Colts decided to go for it on fourth down in you know in Buffalo's territory, up ten to seven, where you could have taken the three points, but you wanted to be aggressive, thought you could get it, and they weren't able to convert that uh, you know that fourth down conversion, so. Colts could have gone up by, you know, by six, but they did not, ultimately. Like I said, the, and then the second half, that long play drive, they fell for a field goal down 17 to 10. So, you know, the Colts could have had more points in this game, uh, and it could have made a difference, to be honest, maybe in the outcome of the game at the end. So you look at that, and, you know, the Colts just had some opportunities that they missed. Uh, overall, they played well enough to win this game because they controlled time possession. They didn't let the Bills get too many big plays down the field. I mean, there were some notable passes in the game that the Bills were able to get. But other than that, the Colts kept them right in front of them. The Colts kept them right in front of them and were able to make it a game. Make it interesting in the, excuse me, in the fourth quarter. So, you know, you look at it and... The Bills just made a couple of plays. They hanged on. The Colts had a chance at a Hail Mary at the end. Uh, they weren't going to be able to kick the field goal from that distance. And they just weren't able to make some plays down the field, you know. So, overall, a really good game for both clubs. The Bills kind of overcame their, uh, you know, last year's playoff loss. Josh Allen, big time credit to him uh, for stepping up and playing big time. Uh, he, he, you know, he had to deliver. Uh, he did. And... You know, good for him. Good for uh, you know Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills. They really earned this one um, and kind of proved that they can hang with the best teams. Um, possibly, you know, with the kind of style they have, they can uh, make it happen. And the running game here and there is, you know, still a question mark. Um, that defense, you know, did play well, but you know they they did give up, you know, a bunch of plays and. They were able to get some pressure and some sacks on Rivers, um, but we're gonna see if this, um, you know, Buffalo Bills defense is, you know, up for the task next week when they have to face Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, uh, which I'll get into a little bit later. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see what kind of style the Bills, you know, implement going forward. But you know, big credit to the Bills offensive group. Stephon Diggs had a nice game. Really played well. Uh, Josh Allen, you know, made some really nice plays. I was impressed by his performance, and he definitely uh, came through and proved why he is one of those emerging quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, the next game that I want to talk about and recap um, is the LA Rams and the upset victory over the Seattle Seahawks, 30 to 20. I have to give up and admit, I did not think the Rams were going to be able to win this game. I really thought it would that, you know, without Jared Goff playing, 
their chances of victory or upset were kind of slim. Um, but I have to give up and admit that I totally did not know that the Rams defense would play this way. I don't think anybody expected the Rams defense to play this way. But then again, the Rams were the number one in defense in the NFL this year. And I felt like they were really inconsistent as a team where their offense would show up, but their defense here and there would not show up. But the last few weeks, the Rams defense really was playing well. I kind of slept on their real impact in this game. And boy, did they come through with a huge performance, a dominant performance. Uh, against the Seattle Seahawks and their offensive line and their, you know, and Russell Wilson in particular. They made a statement in this victory. Now, both teams early on uh, couldn't get too much going as both defenses were playing well to start this game. Um, but then things changed. A great defensive read by Rams cornerback Darius Williams. Um... He read a perfect pass that Russell Wilson was going to throw to the left to, DJ, uh, to DK Metcalf. Read it perfectly. Got the pick six. Put the Rams up 13-3. The Rams also did an excellent job in this game of running the football. And that was what I had mentioned one of the keys to their victory. Running the football with Cam Akers. And boy, did they run the football extremely well. They did exactly what they were supposed to do in terms of staying on the field long play drive. Now John Wolford uh, unfortunately got hurt in this game. He got hurt in this game early on after getting a hit, uh, getting hit you know, in the head kind of area by Jamal Adams. So Jared Goff had to play with his you know, surgically repaired right thumb and boy did he perform um, in a huge way. But back to Cam Akers for a second. He had 131 yards on the ground, a touchdown. He caught some really good passes in this game um, that really set the Seattle, uh, set the Rams up in a good, favorable you know, spots, to be honest, in this game. Now, Jared Goff, uh, like I said, he was, you know, he injured his thumb against Seattle, then he missed a couple of games, uh, missed a game or so, and then, you know, he had to play because of what happened to John Walford and uh, I mean, he came in and just did a great job of just making sure he made some plays. Um, you know, he really did a good job of just uh, keeping the offense going, moving the chains. He made some good throws. He had some really nice passes to Robert Woods on one of these uh, drives they had in the game. And he just did enough. He had a touchdown, uh, you know, not too much offense, I mean, passing yards, but... He let that defense, you know, take care of the of the game. Sean McVay did a great job of, you know, play scheming, making sure that they were handing the ball off a lot to Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown. Um, and they just kept the chains moving on Seattle all game long. They never let Seattle get um, themselves, you know, they didn't let Seattle be on the field a whole lot in this game. The Rams' defense... Uh, frustrated Russell Wilson and this passing offense throughout the game, I would say. You know, Seattle wasn't able to get anything going offensively um, at times during this game. Even when they closed the gap, you felt like the Rams just had an answer for everything that Seattle was trying to throw at them. You know, Aaron Donald, um, you know, had two sacks. He did uh, miss the second half mostly due to a rib injury, but 
that Rams defense did a good job of pressuring Russell Wilson, you know, frustrating him enough, you know, not letting him get to his spots, making sure that he wasn't, you know, taking off for big runs and stuff like that. You know, things like that matter in a game like this when you can get somebody off your off their spot and force them to really hang on to the football a lot more in the pocket. And so, you know, five sacks totally. Um, other role players on the Rams really stepped up to make really good plays in this game. They allowed only 278 yards of total offense. They set the tone early and often in this game, I would say. And that's what really led the Rams to this victory, I would say. Now, on the Seattle side, I was really disappointed. And I think a lot of people were in uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, he... You know, Russell Wilson usually has great playoff performances. We have seen it throughout his career, but in this game, he did not have it. Um, despite a couple of touchdown passes to DK Metcalf, um, who had 96 yards and a couple of touchdowns in this game, you know, Wilson wasn't able to make the most of his possessions. He wasn't able to do a whole lot. One, because he was under pressure a lot in the pocket, but he also missed a lot on some throws. Um, you know, only 174 yards passing for Russell Wilson. You know, he was an MVP candidate early in the season. Then it kind of, you know, he kind of faltered off a little bit. And, and I thought he would come to play in a big-time game, but he wasn't able to do a whole lot um, because he wasn't on the field a whole lot. And when he was, the Rams really did a good job of just frustrating him enough to limit his big plays at all. You know, he had some rushing yards, but not like a big-time thing. Um, and they really made him look ordinary in this game, in this playoff game. Seattle was 2 of 14 on third down. Russell Wilson is money on third down usually in games. And I thought he would wake up and really emerge in the fourth quarter, but he did not do that. The whole Seattle team did not do that you know, well enough. The offensive line didn't do a good job of keeping Russell Wilson upright. Uh, the running game wasn't much of a factor for Seattle. Chris Carson didn't do that great. I mean, he did okay. He had 71 yards, but... Not anything big. And then the biggest thing of all, the Seattle defense that was playing well the last two or three weeks of the season, they just gave up big plays all game long. I mean, the Rams were able to get anything they wanted. Seattle wasn't able to bring turn- get any turnovers. The pass rush wasn't there enough in this game. Uh, the secondary just, you know, took a lot of bang- you know, bad angles at some plays. Um... And they just could not tackle also as well in some stretches of the game. So, you, know, you kind of look at it and, uh, you know, it, was just, it just wasn't a complete performance of that defense. They needed more from that defense in this game. Although they held their you know, they held their ground a little bit in the first half. And, you know, ultimately they needed Russell Wilson to play big time. And that, you know, that's how they've been winning a lot of games this season. Russell Wilson doing a whole lot of things making him drop back and throw and throw and throw. They're a passing offense now. Uh, and Wilson is a great elite quarterback. We know that. He just did not have his goods to, you know, in this game. He did not play well enough. And Seattle's defense was on the field a lot more than they probably wanted to be on the field. And the Rams had a great game plan. You know, Russell Wilson usually gets into a rhythm during the game, but he never got that because of some of the plays that they were able to make on him. And you got to give credit to the Rams and that defense because they really, uh, they really made a statement in this one. 
They really made a statement in this one. I didn't think they were going to be able to, you know, do it in this kind of way, but they did. And you know, you have to give your, uh, you got to tip your hat to Sean McVay uh, for really having a great game plan this game. And now we're going to see the Rams and what their status of their quarterback position will be um, heading next week into the divisional round against the Green Bay Packers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Washington football team 31-23 to on Saturday night. So a little bit surprised by how this game actually went. What a great story for Taylor Heineke who had to start because Alex Smith was not able to go in this game. Tyler Heineke came in for Washington. Really had a nice game overall. Uh, he gave them at least a chance in this game. He had a couple of touchdowns, maybe three yards passing. He gave Washington a fighting chance in this game. The Buccaneers had 507 yards of offense. Brady with 381 yards passing and two touchdowns. A pretty efficient and clean performance from this game. Ronald Jones wasn't able to play for some reason. I'm not sure what it was. I think some kind of undisclosed injury or something like that. But Leonard Fournette. Uh, you know, got the bulk of the carries. He had 19 carries for 93 yards. You know, Mike Evans had a nice game. Uh, Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin had touchdown receptions in this game. The Bucks in this game pretty much were able to make timely plays to stay ahead in the game. You know, they they played with the lead. They made some plays. Um, when Washington wasn't able to really make most of their opportunities. Um, and the Bucks kind of control this game with, with their playmaking and their ability to just to be on the field. Washington wasn't able to convert on a two-point conversion. They were down 18-10, to 10, got a touchdown, couldn't convert that two-pointer. And then after that, the, um, the Buccaneers were able to you know, get away in the game uh, big time with their plays on the field, you know. Chase Young wasn't able to do a whole lot. You know, he's a rookie, you know, had a great rookie season. You know, maybe he'll be a rookie defensive player of the year. Young guy, a lot of energy, Ohio State, you know, background. People are probably are saying he should have talked, you know, about wanting Tom Brady and all these kind of things. But, you know, at this time of the year, it's all about competitive, you know, something, something to motivate you, something to get you going. Um, he has a great career ahead of him. He wasn't able to play actually a little bit in the second half because of an injury, but you know Chase Young has a great future as one of the you know up and coming pass rushers in this game, and he will be good. He will be good. It's all about his development and his style of play going forward. In my opinion, I think Washington just needed you know more from their offense and their defense at times in this game. Uh, they got a nice group of guys, first playoff kind of test. Uh, they were able to play well in some stretches of the game, but, you know, Washington's defense still needs a lot of work in terms of their secondary. Uh, and I think on offense, they need more playmakers, um, guys who can really, they, can, they need speed and they need guys who can separate much better than they did in this game. So... Overall, a nice um, season for Washington. A lot of people didn't expect they were going to be here. I didn't think so either. Thought they would lose by a couple of scores. Ended up losing by nine points. So, you know, it was a really good game. Um, 
that they played. You know, Tyler Heineke at least gave himself a shot to be considered to be a backup quarterback next year on the team. Um, and now Buccaneers advance uh, to face the New Orleans Saints, which will be one of the best games, I think, next week in the divisional round. The Baltimore Ravens defeated the Tennessee Titans 20-13. to Lamar Jackson finally gets his first playoff victory. He really um, got it done, this one. He really made it happen with his performance. Lamar Jackson was able to do the one thing that he wasn't able to do last year in the playoff game against Tennessee. He was able to run the football. He was able to run the football. He had 16 carries for 136 yards on the ground. He made Tennessee miss a lot in this game when he got going. And he had a rushing touchdown. He was sensational. You know, he had 179 yards passing, 136 yards rushing. Dual threat, like I said, and he made it happen on the ground in this game. The Ravens overcame an early 10-0 deficit in this game. They stayed patient and calm, even being down 10. Because Tennessee was able to hit to A.J. Brown early and often in this game. Um, and what a great job by the Ravens to stay patient and calm down 10 nothing. They were able to get some possessions going. Um, you know, they were able to get some possessions going in the second quarter, I believe. And that's what really helped them um, in this game, I would say. They executed their offense and they tied the game at the end of the first half. The Ravens also did an excellent job of time possession. I talked about the Ravens being able to implement their style and pace of this game. So they were able to, you know, control the clock. Dobbins played well. They kept their defense fresh throughout the game, to be honest. After that 10-0, after they overcame that 10-0 um, deficit, they were able to, you know, score 17 straight points before Tennessee answered with a field goal of their own. Uh, the Ravens' defense made a statement in this game. I talked about the Ravens making a statement in this game because they had to. They absolutely had to make a statement in this game. Uh, they were to shut down Derrick Henry, held, you know, holding him to 18 carries for 40 yards only. Held that Tennessee offense, 209 yards of offense, and they never let Tennessee, um, you know, have any offensive rhythm. They just controlled the game in their style, their pace, um, and kept Tennessee. You know, at bay, not not allowing them to, to convert on a couple of opportunities. Now, for Tennessee um, side of things, they did not play well offensively in this game, especially Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Now, these two were given huge contracts in the off season. Both were having really good seasons. They just were not able to execute and do well in this game. I think AJ Brown was the only wide receiver to play well for the uh, Tennessee Titans with over 100 yards in the game the defense of the Tennessee Titans could not stop Lamar Jackson or keep him contained because he broke many tackles and many plays got a lot of open field in front of him was able to take off um, for a bunch of plays in this game and you know it's all about uh, you know the Ravens making a point after the way they looked against Tennessee earlier this year in the last year's playoff game, they want to come out, make a statement, be motivated. Derrick Henry, you know, rushing champion, 2,000 over yards. You know, he had a great, great season. 
Uh, he just was not himself. Did not, you know, get it going. And Tennessee's catalyst this season was him. When Derrick Henry is rocking it and playing well, you know, the Tennessee Titans are a different, different team. They did not have the running game going early on. As a result, Tannehill had to be the one front and center to make plays. And he just was not able to get it done as much um, as he, you know, could have done, you know, earlier in the season. He just did not have it enough in this game. He had an interception, I think, to Marcus Peters, um, you know, when they were trying to, you know, have that drive to tie the game. And, you know, Tannehill is a good quarterback. He's had a nice career with Tennessee. Um, but, you know, he just was not able to make the plays that he had to make, I would say, in this game. Um, and, you know, you got to give credit. got to give credit to the ability of the Ravens to not let Tennessee have their way, not let Tennessee implement their style of play. And, you know, the Ravens are now advancing um, to the next round, take on the Buffalo Bills. The New Orleans Saints beat the Chicago Bears 21-9. I expected more of a dominant showing from the Saints in this game, but they did, you know, win the game by just executing on offense. Drew Brees, you know, had a couple of touchdowns. Alvin Kamara with 99 yards rushing and a touchdown. Michael Thomas, with his return, really played well, um, catching a touchdown pass in over almost a year, I think. Um, and he really just, uh, you know, he scored early in this game and, you know, Saints were able to, you know, hit on some key plays, keep Chicago's defense, you know, off, uh, you know, off their game a little bit. The Saints pretty much in this game controlled time and possession. Chicago didn't do much offensively and that's what I was, you know, thinking that if Chicago was going to make this a game, they had to do, do well offensively. But... You know, Chicago wasn't able to make most of the opportunities. Javon Williams had a drop touchdown pass early in this game on a trick play. That Trubisky threw a really good ball, actually. Um, you know, Chicago didn't turn the ball over. Trubisky didn't, you know, play that bad. But he didn't do the kind of things that you expect um, in terms of a quarterback in a postseason game. Like, he wasn't able to make those big plays enough. And... It comes down to what the Bears have on the outside. They don't have a good receiver outside of Allen Robinson. Robinson is the only good one there. Bears need playmakers on offense. Montgomery wasn't much of a factor in this game. He had to be much of a factor in this game, but he did not play as well. Um, you know, Chicago was 1 of 10 on third down. If you're 1 on 10 on third down, you won't get it done. The Bears defense deserves credit for at least holding the Saints to 21 points. Khalil Mack, an okay game. He's going to have to really rebound and you know get himself going next season because he needs to be playing much better than he did play. But the Saints actually double-teamed him a lot in this game. He wasn't able to do a whole lot because they double-teamed him a lot on a lot of running plays, a lot of pass protection games. And the Bears just never were able to get close enough in this game, you know. They weren't able to get close enough in this game. They struggled to, you know, just make some plays. And, you know, the Saints were going to win this game. They, It was a favorable matchup. Drew Brees, you know, looked good enough. Uh, there was one turnover in this game, which the Saints committed. But, you know, outside of that, it was a pretty much a good performance by 
Um, the Saints defense against an offense that wasn't really challenging as much. Um, and, you know, the Saints now move on. Uh, be hosting a playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which should be a great, great matchup. Can't wait for that matchup because it's going to be a unique one. And finally, the biggest upset and shock probably um, that took place last night was the Cleveland Browns winning 48-37. to I have to admit, I did not believe the Browns were going to be able to win this game. Kevin Stefanski, you know, not being able to coach because of COVID. I thought the Browns, you know, inexperienced, although they had some veterans on that team who played in some playoff games. Did not really think that the Browns were going to be able to win this game. I thought the Steelers would wake up on offense, um, you know, you know, late in this game and find a way to, you know, win with their offense. But boy, did this game just kind of go the Browns' way. I mean, they just made plays after plays, and I have to give respect to the Cleveland Browns. They did an excellent job, I would say, of just being able to. Uh, you know, come into the game as underdogs. They took on that mantle of like, all right, everybody's kind of is out. We're gonna show them that we can still win with our with our our coach on the team. Um, and boy, did they make a big statement in this game. Uh, they really shocked the NFL world yesterday, especially a lot of Steeler fans, especially Stephen A. Smith, who probably isn't looking forward to talking about the Browns anytime soon in this game. Um, but the Browns just really did a good job of just, you know, staying ahead of the game. They, you know, they were able to survive the Steelers' comeback. Some questionable calls, although by the uh, by the Steelers in this game. Um, so overall, you know, it was just a performance that the Browns really just played their best. They had 28, you know, points in the first quarter. The opening play of this game, a bad snap by. Um, you know, Marquise Pouncey to Ben Rotzeberger. They weren't able to jump on the ball. Carl Joseph recovered it for a touchdown. Uh, Kareem Hunt and Jarvis Landry played extremely well with Nick Chubb, especially in the in the first quarter. You know, Kareem Hunt was playing well. Jarvis, Jarvis Landry was playing well. Uh, Mayfield had a really nice game with 263 yards passing, three touchdowns. He did not turn the ball over. And it's his first playoff game. And what a coaching job by Alex Van Pelt, offensive coordinator. And that credit of that game plan also goes to Kevin Stefanski because Stefanski is all over this team. His blueprint on the whole offense. And so Van Pelt executed the offense perfectly, you know, made sure that Mayfield was comfortable, was able to make nice, solid throws, let the supporting cast make the, you know, make the yards after contact. And Mayfield played a mistake-free game, which is the key for the Browns. If they ever want to go ahead and make a big run to the Super Bowl, it starts with that kind of performance in Mayfield. Because if he can turn, if he can play this way without any turnovers, then the Browns' chances of winning are much better. Uh, looking at it, you know, Mayfield was just able to make some nice plays, some scoring drives here and there. The Steelers weren't able to, you know, do much offensively early on in the first half of this game. Uh, they punted quite a bit, never got any offensive rhythm from their team until the second half of the football game. It was 35-10 at the halftime. 
Ben Roethlisberger had four touchdowns and four interceptions. Not the kind of performance you expect from a two-time champion. He wasn't at his best early on and the Steelers fell behind. The running game wasn't much of a factor in this game. Um, and Juju Smith-Schuster finished with 157 yards receiving, but most of his receiving yards and everything came after they were trailing. He just failed to make an impact in some significant moments in this game. Um, his comments came back to bite the Steelers, to be honest, in some way or another. I think Mike Tomlin should have gone for it on 4th and 1 when they were trailing um, in this game. They, for some reason, you know, their defense was playing well in the second half because they were able to force Cleveland into some turnovers. Um, you know, they were able to force Steelers into some turnovers. Or, sorry, Steelers were able to force the Browns into, into a couple of three and outs in the game. Um, but they were trailing, uh, you know, 35-23 to in this game. And Mike Tomlin was just trying to see if he, you know, could get them to jump off sides or not. But, you know, fourth and one, you're down 35-23. to 23. You have to go for it in that situation. Because your defense... You know, even though defense was playing well up to that point, you've got to be able to trust your offense to pick up that extra yard or two. And you know, Tomlin elected not to do that. And then the, you know, then the Cleveland Browns took advantage of that and went down the field and scored a touchdown. So, Mike Tomlin, great coach, great guy, almost a good game plan, but he did not expect this from his team in the first half. They were outplayed in every single way by the Cleveland Browns and their, their their division rival and you know they just weren't able to convert on that key third down on that fourth down play the Browns did an amazing job of you know handling all the emotions they let the you know, let the you know Steelers come back and you know get too many plays on them uh, and Rotzerberg like I said you know four interceptions five total turnovers for the Steelers we have five turnovers in a football game you pretty much 85% of the time are going to lose that game. So, huge credit, huge respect to the Cleveland Browns for winning this playoff game. It was their first playoff victory since, I think, 1969 on the road. They broke that long losing streak to the Steelers on the road. I think it was the first playoff win since 1994. The Cleveland Browns deserve a lot of praise. Uh, What a great performance by Mayfield, Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, and you know, rest of the players on that team. Stefanski deserves credit, even though he wasn't there on the sidelines with a great game plan he had. The Browns really made a statement. Um, and you know, it really was probably a very sweet moment for the the Cleveland Browns to get this victory after the kind of season they were having with dealing with COVID during this week. They were able to come up and play big time. They rallied behind their guys, behind their players, their coaches, and they put forth a great performance. The Steelers, on the other hand, a lot of questions now in the offseason. You feel bad for Ben Rosselberger and this team. Very promising year. They were 11-0. They were 11-0 in this season. They weren't playing their best ball. They lost, you know, three or four games straight. And, you know, they just were not playing their best football. Their defense definitely gave up a lot of plays. They definitely missed their couple of linebackers who were, you know, ruled out earlier in the year. But no excuses. They got outplayed, outmatched by the Cleveland Browns. And 
the Browns fans should be celebrating a lot hopefully this week uh, up to you know, Tuesday or Wednesday before they start prepping for the ultimate test probably in the Kansas City Chiefs. But a great Super Wildcard weekend. Definitely was fun. And I can't wait to break down the divisional playoffs that will be taking place next weekend. So in this segment, I just want to talk about the latest on the NBA 2020-21 NBA season. Um, it's been a little while since I've talked some basketball. It is early, obviously, with a longer schedule. You know, 72-game schedule. Most teams have only played maybe about 10 or 11 games up to this point. And so, kind of early to tell which kind of teams that really are separating themselves. But we do know that the NBA is kind of monitoring a close situation as two games were postponed today. Uh, because of you know some tests and things so you know the NBA definitely will have to step it up with their guidelines monitoring how things are going um, but it's been an interesting start to the NBA season so far obviously a lot of teams still getting used to playing their kind of basketball we're seeing some high scoring games we're seeing some games in which teams step up in the second half so you know a lot of things can be said so far um, Look at the Western Conference standings. The Lakers are number one at eight and three. We got the number two seed, the Phoenix Suns, seven and three. Clippers seven and four. Utah Jazz number four is you know they're six and four record-wise. Number five, Golden State is six and four. So you know, kind of surprised to see Golden State a little bit you know up here early on playing well, and they've been playing well all because of Steph Curry. And as I talked about before. Golden State's chances of competing this season are all on him. And he's dropped some really good games the last week or so with 62 points, 60, you know, 37, 38. Um, did have a rough go, I think, the previous game they played. But, you know, Curry is the one hitting the shots. And they had a huge comeback win over the LA Clippers a couple of days ago. Uh, so Golden State can't be trifled with, or let's just say at this point they can't be trifled with. But they do, they do, you know, they have been able to play well in some stretches this year and you're going to see how they do well. James Wiseman is looking decent so far and it's a long way to go but you know the Western Conference is definitely shaping up to be interesting. I would say I'm a little bit surprised by how Denver is playing even though you know Nikola Jocic is leading the league in assists I believe at this point. Uh, Denver's kind of, you know, middle of the pack right now. They got to step it up and get it going. Um, got to see Michael Porter Jr. emerge and play well this season for them. As for the Eastern Conference, uh, we got Philadelphia at 7-3. Boston Celtics number two behind them. Number three, Indiana at 6-3. Number four, Orlando Magic, 6-4. Number five, Milwaukee Bucks at 6-4. Now, there are a couple of teams you notice that are not in the top five in the Eastern Conference right now. One, that would be the Brooklyn Nets, Miami Heat. Um, you know, they are both not in there. And Toronto is not in there. Now, Brooklyn has obviously been playing well here and there. You know, Durant had to miss some time. Kyrie Irving, you know, a little bit as well. The Nets, 
at this point are kind of playing, you know, middle of the pack kind of basketball. And this is expected, with, you know, with the new coaching staff, with Steve Nash, Kevin Durant, all these personalities, all these guys. The biggest thing for um, Brooklyn, I would say, is their defense has been you know, on and off at times. They got to really step it up and get that. Okay. Toronto has been a huge disappointment so far. They are 2-7, and seven, and the problem that Toronto has been having They've they've not been able to execute in some of the games down the stretch. Uh, They've been, you know, they've been playing well offensively at times, and other times they haven't. It's all about consistency. And Pascal Siakam, Anobi, Van Fleet, and Lowry, these guys have to step it up. They've lost a lot of close games, high-scoring games. They've got to be able to clean up their act, get it going, because their season, you know, season just getting started, but... You know, Toronto was a really good team last year. You thought that's what you saw from you know, from Lowry and Van Fleet would carry over. But it just seems like they've just not been the same since Ibaka's departure and Gasol's departure. Uh, a lot more guys are, you know, having to play multiple minutes. And Toronto has, you know, really uh, been affected by that. So Nick Nurse has got to get them going in the right direction. Now the Washington Wizards, I thought they would be a little bit better than than you know what they are right now, but they just cannot play defense. They cannot play defense. It's as simple as that. They are two and eight. Westbrook is going to be out uh, for a week with a, you know a quadriceps injury. Bradley Beal has been playing really really well, uh, but he is the only guy that is bringing it offensively. It's going to take time for their draft pick, Danny Avedija, to make an impact. But look at the Wizards and, you know, more so than how they're looking. I mean, we know that Bradley Beal is bringing his best effort every night that he can. But, you know, Scott Brooks, the head coach of the, of the Washington Wizards, you know, he is going to be under the hot seat. And I think if he doesn't turn this around, it's a good chance he'll be let go. Now, he, you know, he did coach... Oklahoma City. He's had some decent, you know, track record. But in Washington specifically, I, this is his fourth or fifth year. I think he's like 151 and 177. They've only made one playoff appearance in the last three, four years. The Wizards need results, and they need to turn it around, or else he will not be the head coach going forward. And the last thing that Washington needs is another change at, you know, another change in their scheme. Or you know, not change a head coach, I would say, because that will not do them well, I believe. That will not do them well, so they really have to turn it around and find a way to get it going. So a couple of things that I have been impressed by so far, I would say number one, the Mellow Ball is playing really well, and he may be on track to win Rookie of the Year on Saturday. He became the youngest player in NBA history to record triple-double. He seems to be doing much better than Lonzo Ball in terms of how their career started. Uh, time will tell how LaMelo Ball continues to evolve and develop as a player. But there are encouraging signs from LaMelo Ball. His passing ability is there. His scoring is coming now more, more often. Uh, that's a good sign. It's a good sign for LaMelo Ball. Uh, the Hornets are kind of the middle of the pack right now. Um, who knows if they're going to be able to make a run or not. But LaMelo Ball, if he keeps kind of stepping up and playing well, he may be on track to win Rookie of the Year. Obviously, Anthony Edwards is going to be there in the mix. 
and a couple other players as well. But you know, we're gonna see if they can keep it going. But it's good to see Lamella Ball have the, the kind of performance he had on Saturday, the triple double, and he's got to keep it up on a consistent basis if he wants to become one of the best point guards and guards upcoming in the NBA. Number two, I like how the Sixers are playing um, with Tyrese Maxey and Seth Curry and those guys. But they have lost a couple of games lately, but Philadelphia has looked much better. Ben Simmons and Beat are figuring it out. Um, you know, it's fair to say that one of those two players may or may not be traded later on in the season or next season. Um, remains to be seen because you know you have Doc Rivers now there at the helm and. If anybody can get these two guys to really play well when it matters the most, it's him. Um, we'll see how they develop over time, but Embiid looks better. Uh, Simmons is finding his groove and touch, but the same thing, the outside shooting, Ben Simmons isn't doing it on, on a consistent basis. He's got to find a way to do that, um, especially with the way he's been paid and stuff. His defense obviously will be a factor. No doubt, we don't know he can play great defense, but offensively, you know, give give us something to, to really look at. Now, Tyrese Maxey, the draft pick that they picked in the first round, who I was actually very high on, he's been playing really, really well. He had a 40-point game and a losing effort to Dem- Denver Nuggets. But Maxey is starting to play well. And, you know, the whole thing for the Sixers is that as a team, they got to be able to pace themselves and play good in all facets of the game. Their bench has to really come up and step up later in this season. And number three, what I like is the Phoenix Suns are playing well. And we know that Devin Booker and Chris Paul, their chemistry is, is you know coming and going, but they're playing well together. They're scoring together. The biggest thing that I like from Phoenix Suns right now, they're supporting Cavs. You know, Aiton, Bridges, Johnson, you know, Crowder, all these supporting players around Devin Booker, Chris Paul are playing well, and Phoenix is playing at a good level right now. It's all about can they sustain that going into the later part of the season. Now, some of the things that I do have not liked so far early on in this NBA season, I think number one, as I mentioned before, um, the coaching of Scott Brooks and the way the Wizards are looking um, hasn't been really well, hasn't been good at all. Um, they've got to be able to win some games with some of that talent on that team. Um, so I don't, I don't like how the Washington Wizards are playing and I'll throw the Minnesota Timberwolves also in that group as well. Anthony Edwards is going to be a, a good player hopefully in the year to come but Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell these guys have to get it going. Uh, t- the Timberwolves have to compete much better than they have been looking so far. Number two the Toronto Raptors are off to a 2-7 and seven star as I mentioned before. Um, I just think they need Pascal Siakam and Anobi to really do a good job of setting the pace early and often. I think they've been re- out-rebounded um, quite a bit, I would say, um, this season. So they really have to find a way to get competitive because Toronto has that ability to play well. They can defend, they can shoot, they have the size. They gotta be better than what they've shown so far, and I'll throw one more team into the mix that has not played well um, or hasn't looked as good as dominant as I, I thought they would look, and that is the reigning Eastern Conference champions, the Miami Heat. Now, why did I put Miami on this list? Well, 
it is early and we know that Miami is dealing with some injuries here and there but Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Drogic, they got to do something. You know, Kendrick Nunn, they all have to step it up. Butler is going to do what he has to do. Um, but this Miami Heat team should be playing much better than they, than they have looked so far. Um, it's all about finding consistency. They're not, uh, you know, they don't have a losing record, but they got to look better in some areas, especially in their defense, which really, their defense really led them last year to the NBA Finals. And early on within these eight to nine games, they haven't really shown it yet. So, got to find a way to get it going overall on defense. And number three, I would say that the New Orleans Pelicans, Brandon Ingram, you know, Zion, they are going to be setting up the Pelicans for future success. That they will only do well if their supporting cast can also give them something. And I'm looking at JJ Redick. I'm looking at Bledsoe. You know, and I'm looking to see, you know, what kind of consistency will they give in this game? You know, what kind of consistency will they give in the games going forward? Because the Pelicans have to be better defensively. They have to be more consistent. So Ingram, it's all about being consistent as a player. And that's this bench of the New Orleans Pelicans has to play quality minutes if they ever want to compete against the great Western Conference teams and the Lakers and the Clippers, um, Nuggets, you know. They gotta find a way to get more consistent, play above 500 basketball because that's the kind of team that you have. Young group of guys, you got Ben Gundy there. Play hard defense, execute when you can, but it's all about being consistent and bringing the effort. And I have not seen that from the Pelicans as much as I would like to see so far. It is early, but they have to be able to put forth consistent efforts all night long. The shot making, the shot selections have to be better for the New Orleans Pelicans. So, the NBA season is underway. A lot of things going on. Um, some really nice stories are coming out. Some players stepping up. Horton Tucker for the Lakers is playing well. We're seeing Kawhi Leonard play a little bit more focused and determined the way he should have played last year in, in the conference uh, semifinal against Denver um, and then you look at some of the other things Indiana's been playing well uh, gotta give them credit for playing good Boston is looking nice Jalen Brown Tatum doing what they have to do so we're seeing some early signs from some teams that are looking good and other teams that have a lot of work to do a lot of things to fix up and get it going um, in the right direction so it's gonna be exciting to see what happens um, you know James Harden situation is still under you know under watch I mean Houston is not winning games right now as much they've won about three games or so so if the losing continues the James Harden rumors will only go up um, and his situation will still be be an ongoing storyline in this NBA season